Our renewed nature gives us the ability to extend God's love, to extend His mercy, to extend His grace, to extend His compassion to others. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. It was good to see all y'all today. Let's pray one more time. Uh, actually, let me just maybe say this. This morning, just so everybody's tracking, we're actually going to continue our current series on righteousness. So if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, this is actually part four of a five-part series. And I'll just kind of say this before we, before we pray. It's kind of funny. I, I was working on something completely different this week for today, and, and then I got to yesterday, and it totally shifted gears. And so I don't know why I'm sharing what I'm sharing today. You know, for most of you guys in this room, you're probably going to be like, hey, PQ, you've said that before. That's pretty basic. But, but listen, I, I've said this before. I, I walked with Jesus long enough. I've walked with Jesus long enough to know that when I need to say something, when I feel like I need to say something, when I feel compelled, there's a reason it needs to be said. So even though this may be really basic, man it's for somebody today and I would just encourage you to open up your heart and and if you're you know one of those mature believers in here that you go hey man I got that down I'm doing this then my encouragement to you would be simply to go you know what let me let me maybe pray for the people in the room that need to get it yeah instead of checking out amen Amen. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you once again for today. Lord, we thank you that your presence is here. Lord, we thank you for every person that's here. God, we thank you that you desire to speak to people today. You're a God that's personal. You're a God that still speaks. You're still active. You're still moving in our lives. Lord, you're not distant. You're not some, and you know, in some other universe, kind of minding your own business and forgetting about us. But Lord, you're very engaged in our lives. And so, Lord, today, thank you for just speaking to us. We open up our ears, and uh, Lord, we don't just sing it. But, Lord, we say that we seek first your kingdom, God, and your righteousness. And, Father, we just all that you have for us, Lord, we seek it. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that you'll fill our hearts. So, Lord, thanks for the anointing. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do best. If you want to go left, we'll go left. If you want to go right, we'll go right. Just come and direct us. all we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, listen, if you have uh, been with us, then you might remember that just simple, simple download here. In part one, we talked about how God imparts the gift of righteousness to us. In other words, that he literally comes and exchanges his righteousness with our unrighteousness the moment that you and I put our faith in the finished work of the cross. Isn't that good news? That God declares us, uh, you know, uh, once again, declares us not guilty. He says, you know what, you're in right standing with me. That's good news. So in part two, we talked about how when we put our faith in Jesus, that we were not only, uh, you know, placed in right standing before God, but he also positioned us to live under, if you will, uh, you know, the blessing of righteousness. Is there anybody thankful for the blessings of God in your life? Man, I know I am. So in part three, we talked about how through the pursuit of righteousness that you and I can actually influence the blessings in our life, either in a positive or in a negative way. And, and I, please don't miss this, that, that you and I can literally, you know, once again, uh, open up the door of blessings in our lives or we can shut the door of blessing in our lives by one word. Please don't miss it. It's called obedience. Right, that God is a God that expects obedience from His people, and and if we if we realize or not, the lifeblood, if you will, that happens in the kingdom is really hinged upon that one word. Amen. Yeah. 
So as far as today, I would like for us to turn our attention. Once again, this is so basic, but I want us to turn our attention to uh, this. The proof of righteousness. The proof of righteousness. Now to do so, I want to start with a familiar verse, but I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. So it may be a little new. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It simply says this. Thanks, guys. It says, for if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. I like that. Verse 10, it says, the heart that believes in him receives the gift of the righteousness of God. That's what we've been talking about. The heart that believes in him receives the gift of the righteousness of God, and then the mouth gives thanks to salvation. All right. So if you've been in, in church for any length of time, then you know that this verse is often shared with an individual just for clarity's sake before they are led in what is you know, commonly known as uh, you know, the sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation. Wave your hand at me if you know that's true. All right. Some of us know that's awesome. So listen, over the past two decades, I have, I have literally witnessed you know, literally thousands of people praying that prayer, either leading them or being a part of a service, whatever, and and literally thousands of people, you know, once again, praying that quote-unquote salvation prayer. And I want you to know that's a pretty incredible thing to witness, yeah? And, you know, there's nothing like seeing somebody come into the kingdom, amen? That is the greatest miracle. But, but I have to admit to you today, as, as, as amazing as that has been, when I think back, there have been some of those people that I've, you know, whatever, seen prayed that prayer, heard prayed that prayer, you know, whatever. Maybe I ran into them and, uh, you know, I walked away after talking with them for a few moments, kind of scratching my head and, and uh, you know, just kind of asking myself, shouldn't there be some kind of evidence that proves that that person was indeed saved? Yes, in other words, it's this, that once the the dust has settled, the emotions have kind of left, and, you know, shouldn't there be some kind of proof that individual actually received the gift of righteousness in their lives? If you know that's true, say, oh, yeah. Listen, when we talk about, once again, proof, we're talking about evidence. I I believe the the biblical answer of is that, you know, or should that be there is emphatically it's it's a yes, plain and simple. You know, if we can, let's uh, think about this way. And this kind of dumbing it down a little bit. But everybody looking here, please. If I said, hey, guys, I got a haircut. I need one. But, uh, you know, wouldn't it make sense that someone could actually look at me and say, you know what, bro, nice haircut. Right. If I stood in front of you guys today and I said, guys, I just want to celebrate today. I've lost 30 pounds. Right. Then shouldn't someone be able to look at me and say, wow, man, you've really lost some weight. Yes. Yes. Likewise, if a person says this, I gave my life to Jesus. Shouldn't those who know them best say, you know, something's really changed about you. Right. So in other words, shouldn't others be able to say or see the proof of righteousness in their lives? I think, once again, the answer is a thousand times. Yes, yes, yes. So now, listen, I don't know about you, but I can personally verify this truth, not only from my own experience, but by what I've also witnessed in my family. Right. You know, over the last 17 years, I have you know, seen definite proof of a dramatic transformation, you know, that's occurred in the lives of my parents, my step-parents, three of my brothers, an aunt, an uncle, and, and here's the key part, 
every one of those dramatic transformations happened after each one of them surrendered their lives to Jesus, according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, right? And it's, if I can maybe say it this way, as, as God is my witness, those people aren't the same people I knew when I was growing up, not even close, right? And, you know, it's been wonderful to see it in this way, that, that the way they think, that the way they talk, the way they behave, their attitudes, their emotions, how they respond to, watch this, trying situations, because that says a lot about a person, uh, you know, how they respond to people, their generosity, their willingness to serve and to help others, the way they handle their money, how they look at their past, how they handle an offense, all of that's completely different. In other words, I'm saying today that when I've seen my family, and this is, you know, thank you, Jesus, right? There's undeniable proof that transformation has happened. Now, why is that the case? The answer is this. is because when you and I are truly saved, when we're truly made righteous, right, in Christ, the Bible tells us that God doesn't just only come and impute righteousness in our account. In other words, by faith, right, uh, you know, righteousness is accounted to us. So it's not, it, it's not just that, but it goes, in, goes this far, that God literally comes and he imparts his righteousness into our lives. And it is through this righteousness, watch this, that a radical uh, alteration, right, occurs in our hearts, in our minds, in our wills. Right? The, the Bible simply refers to this alteration as, as simply this, as being made new. Right. Amen? Let me take a quick moment and show you three verses, and you've probably heard every one of them before. But Ezekiel 36, 26, it's a prophetic declaration here. And it says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. In other words, something that's never existed before. It says that the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Right? Listen to Ephesians 24. This is the Passion Translation. It says, be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within. Within what? Within you. As your new life. And live in union with him. For God has done what? He has recreated you all over again in his what? Perfect righteousness. Isn't that when he imparted into us? And it says, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So to reiterate the point here, when we consider those three verses, watch this, God makes it very clear that once a person comes to Christ, that he is certainly, unequivocally, right? What? Made new, changed, transformed, different. However you want to word it, whatever words you want to use, it doesn't really matter, right? All right, so let me make a bold yet true statement that some people may not like. All right? It happens here occasionally, right? Um, but, but I believe that the Bible also makes it very clear that if a person's life uh, doesn't have undeniable proof, right, that they are indeed a new person in Christ, then, then it is a fair question to ask if that person was truly saved at all. Yeah. Amen? So, you know, a lot of people can go, well, man, who in the world are you to judge their heart? I'm not judging their heart. I'm judging their fruit. Just as Jesus said we could and should, should do, right? So, you see, Philippians 1.11 says this. 
It says, uh, basically this tells us that when a person is saved, that their lives are, watch this, are filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. It's pretty plain, right? That our lives are filled with the fruit of righteousness. So, gang, I'm kind of saying all this because I hope that we can all agree that being a follower of Christ is much more than just saying a prayer to ease one's conscience. Listen. Uh, there's a lot of people that will come and in desperation to feel better, say whatever you want them to say. Yes? So, so listen, being a follower of Christ is more than adopting the teaching of Jesus as if it's some self-improvement plan. Yeah? Because there's loads of people who like Jesus' teachings, but they don't follow Jesus. Fair enough? Listen, that, that being a follower of Christ is more than a get-out-of-hell-free card, right? It, it, it's more than, more than even this. Man, I, I, I want a place to fit in, so I'll go to church. I, I need somebody to love me, and I need to feel like I belong, so I'll go to church. I'm glad people feel that way, but it's more than just that. Yes, and, and even this, that it's more than just, you know, saying a prayer 50 years ago and just saying, well, one day I'll go to heaven. It's more than that, Right? See, I've seen a lot of that mentality over the last, uh, you know, 20 plus years. And uh, so to me, I, let me just say, it doesn't really matter what language someone wants to attach to the subject. I, I don't really care about that. At, at the end of the day, I just hope we all understand that being a Christian really begins and ends. I've kind of said this, but I'm going to say it again. Begins and ends with a transformed life that clearly demonstrates the undeniable proof of God's righteousness in a person's life. Are you all with me? So, all right, with all that said, let's take a moment and let's look at how, this is huge, okay, of how you and I are made new or how we're transformed when we become a believer. I may go in the direction you expect, I may not, I don't know, so we'll just, we'll find our way. Here we go. I just feel like I need to share this verse. Look at 2 Peter 1, 3, 4 with me. It says, by his divine power, God has given us, stop for a minute, when did he give it to us? The moment we believed. Yes? So God has given us what? Everything. Somebody say everything. Everything. We need for living a godly life. That's time to take a praise break. Right right there. (laughs) Listen. Everybody look at me. That everything that we need to live a godly life. You know what that means? That all excuses go out the door. Right? Doesn't matter your story, doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter what happened to you, doesn't matter what you did. It, it, none of that matters. He has given you everything that you need to live a godly life. Now the, now the deal is this, the choice is at your feet. Right? Jesus did it all at the cross. He's not, he, the Bible says he died once and for all. Right? He's not going to do it again. He already did it. So the work is done. Now it's up to us to step into that work. Yes? So it says this. So, so how has he given us everything we need? says, we have received all of this by coming to know him. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises, watch this, that enable you. Somebody say enables me. To do what? To share his divine nature. I love this verse. And, you know, your translation may say this, that we become partakers. We get to join in on his divine nature. Nature. So, 
How does God make us new? The answer is simply this, that when you and I give our lives to Jesus, his spirit, God's spirit, comes to live on the inside of us. And when this happens, guess what? He not only breaks the power of sin in our lives, right? The sin no longer has dominion over you. But guess what happens? He also brings or imparts what? The divine nature of Christ inside of us. Is that true? That's how the alteration happens. That's why the Bible says... Like we read earlier in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is a Christ, he is a new creation. Listen, I I didn't, didn't, uh, you know, say a prayer at, you know, 18 years old and go, man, all of a sudden this, you know, almost 5'9 white boy turned into a 6'5 black guy that can now dunk a basketball. Right. The outside didn't change. Now, now, granted, there's, you know, when you're when you got some serious oppression on you, the the life of God will come on you. You'll look different from that standpoint. But but in the sense of, you know, physically, we don't change what becomes new. It's the inside. Right. That's where we become a new creation. Right. Where the old is gone. What's the old? The old ways. The old nature. In other words, what's nature? It's what is natural, the way you lived. And what happens is now the old is gone. The new, which is in Christ, comes. Right? God's spirit comes inside of you and you become new. Right? But you're also open to new ways of living, which we'll discuss in a moment. So, so let me maybe say this. Since God has made us new, right? Since he has imparted into us his divine nature, isn't it fair that God would expect something from us? Everybody do that. Yes, 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 right? Yes, yes. It, you know, let, let me, I'll say something really silly just so we understand. Listen, if I, if I bought my kid a bicycle, I would expect them to use it. If I put food on the table, I expect them to eat it. Am I making sense? If I, if I provide a bed, I don't expect to go in there at, you know, at 10 o'clock at night and see them sleeping on the floor. Are, are you with me? So, so, so here's our father. He's imparted his very nature inside of us, and he expects us to use it, right? Paul answers this question for us in this, or it's ways he expect from us. Romans 6 says, do not let any part of your body, get that, any part of your body, become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Okay, that, that can be any body part. It can be your mind. It can be uh, whatever, your eyes, your ears, All of it, right? Yes, every single part. And then it says this, instead, give yourselves completely to God. Notice you have a choice there. It says, for you were dead, but now you have, once again, what? New life. It says, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right or to be righteous for the glory of God. Watch this. Paul also adds this to his letter to Titus. In Titus 2, 11 and 12, he says this, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Watch this, verse 12. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom and what? Righteousness and devotion to God. So the Bible's really clear, gang, that the Bible, that God expects us to live righteous. All right, let's shift gears. If I could... Um, Maybe put all this another way. Uh, I, I would say it this way. That, that God expects us to live according to the divine nature, which is his nature, that he has imparted on the inside of us. In, in fact, let me, let me read a verse to you. Just kind of a, an idea here. If you have the version app, a little plug for those guys. Verse of the day. 
simply says this, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Doesn't get more simple than that, does it? Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. All right, here we go. So let me give you three quick proofs, three proofs of righteousness, and and you'll find out real quick, all of these are found in God's nature. So once again, the divine nature that he's imparted in us, he's expecting us to walk that out. Number one, the, the first proof of righteousness is this, is a believer, once again, someone who comes to Christ, they will have a desire to be holy. Don't shout me down now, right? Y'all look at me. It don't matter if you're a Christian from Alabama or if you're a Christian from Maine. There should be a desire to be holy. Amen. Listen, I can say this from personal experience that when, when I gave my life to Jesus, guys, my view towards sin, what the Bible calls sin, right, dramatically changed. And what I mean by that is this, is before I was a Christian, and, and a lot of you guys are going to go, yeah, I get this. I didn't care. I said what I wanted to say, and I did whatever I wanted to do that would bring pleasure to my life. Can I get a witness? Yes? Listen, but but after I asked Jesus to save me, all of that quickly changed. And uh, what I mean by that is this, is even though I knew nothing about the Bible, for some reason I I now felt bad when I said certain things. I I now felt bad when I did the same things I used to do before. Anybody with me? Listen, I no longer felt right in the same places or hanging with the same people that I used to hang out with. It, it was like this. It's like I no longer um, desired to put those same things in my body. Right? And, and the only thing I can say is this, is that my, that my desires began to change. Because why? Because guess what? It was no longer natural to sin. Right? doesn't mean I don't sin. But it, but it meant but it meant where before right with a sin nature it was natural to sin, when when you have the nature of Christ it is natural to act like Jesus, right? And so what's so interesting is even you know and I thought about this a long time, but but I thought about two particular friends, that literally every every Friday school would end and I would go hop in one of their cars and I wouldn't get out of their car until Sunday night until I got dropped off at the place I lived. And we hung out every, every weekend like that. Whatever they did, I, you know, that's what we did, right? And, and we ran everywhere together. And what was so wild is when I gave my life to Jesus, I'm telling you, there was such a strong disinterest. I didn't even want to be around them. Like I just, it, it was like immediately the friendship, we were done, right? And the reason is, is because light doesn't have anything in common with darkness, Right? It's that simple. So, li- listen, come to find out, even though, listen, I didn't really know what was happening. Right? It took me a while to get it. Uh, but, but, but I realized finally this. This is what was going on. Look at 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty four. It simply says this. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. See, what happened was, is because God's divine nature was now inside of me, my spirit was now uh, awake to righteousness, right? And, and now I wanted to live a pure life. Now I wanted to live a holy life that honored God, even though I wasn't quite sure what in the world that meant or what it looked like. Let me show you another verse here in 1 John 3, 9. Everybody, please hear this. It says, Everyone who is truly God's child will refuse to keep sinning because God's seed remains within him. In other words, he can't have a lifestyle of sin. It says, and he is unable to continue sinning because he has been fathered by God himself. Now, now let, me, let me throw some mercy at us really quick. Does this mean that we never sin? 
and never mess up. No, not at all. Everybody, listen, we all mess up. And, and there's not a person in this room that doesn't willfully mess up. Right? But, but what it does mean is that inside of you, the Spirit of God is there. And, and, you know, just as it says in Isaiah, it says, even if you go to the left or the right, you'll still hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. In other words, the Holy Ghost inside of you, right, the one who helps you walk out the divine nature, he's the one that's going to go, hey, yep, not good. Yep, not good. Go this way. Go that way. And what happens is, is we don't live in a lifestyle of it. But what, what happens is we're, we're continually readjusting. We're continuing to grow in holiness, right, and in righteousness. Am I making sense to you guys? So in short, it's this. We'll throw up this next slide. A lifestyle of sin becomes out of character for the person who has a new nature in Christ because God's nature is one of holiness. Pretty simple, right? Number two, the second proof of righteousness is this, is a believer will have a desire to walk in truth. Good place to say amen. Look at Ephesians 4. It says, But that isn't what you learned about Christ, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. It says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and what? Deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, And to do what? To stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. I just had this thing. Lord, how do you feel when your wife asks you, do I look fat in this? How should we respond to that? (coughs) Is there mercy in that moment, Lord? (laughs) Oh, things that run through my head. I share some of it. All right, here we go. Anyways, listen, when you and I begin to live according to God's divine nature, watch this, please. Listen, our tendency to lie to others so they'll see us differently in the way we want them to see us, our tendency to to lie to cover something up or to lie to get ourselves out of jam or or to lie to position ourselves to get the best end of the deal or to, uh, you know, our tendency to manipulate and to deceive so we can get what we want. Man, all that goes out the window. Yes, and the reason is because God's spirit of truth lives inside of us and there's now conviction that comes when we aren't walking in the truth. Yes, listen, uh, this may sound really odd, but, but last night I just felt like I needed to tell somebody this. Maybe it's for somebody here, maybe it's for somebody's second service, I don't know. But um, I, I feel like I need to tell you that this doesn't mean This doesn't just only mean that we stop lying to others, but it also means we stop lying to ourselves. Now, I don't know what that, that can mean a variety of things for people in this room, okay? Uh, but, But in this sense, the Bible says that God desires truth in the inward parts. And, And that could also mean this truth in our inward conversations about ourselves, And so, once again, this may not be how it it fits for you, but I'll say this, uh, that we need to walk in the truth by taking personal responsibility for our own actions and our own choices, and we need to quit blaming everybody else for our issues, even God. Amen? So, in short, this, a lifestyle of lies becomes out of character for the person who has a new nature in Christ Because God's nature is one of truth. If I can even maybe say this. Listen. That even has to do with your identity. Amen. 
God, what is the truth that you want to speak to me? What truth am I not receiving? Where am I being, uh, you know, deceived? Where am I not walking in your best for my life? Because God's truth will always lead you in the best. Amen? Third proof of righteousness. Here we go. A believer will have, number three, he will have a desire to express love. He will have a desire to express love. Listen to 1 John three fourteen. It says, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. Another translation says this way. How do we know that we pass from death to life? Because we love the brethren, right? It says, but a person who has no love is still what? Still dead. They still don't know God. They're still unrighteous. Now look at 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It says, dear friends... Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, once again, does that mean we're going to love perfectly and completely all the time? No, but it does mean that we'll be bent to want to do that, to do it that way, right? So... You know, I don't know, you know, how it was for you guys, but for me, I'll say this, and I've talked about this at length before, but before God's Spirit came to live inside of me, you know, it wasn't only unnatural for me to express love, but it was also extremely difficult for me to receive love. And I think when it comes to this point of being born again, it's not just about, just about giving it, but it's also about receiving it, right? And I think there's this idea here that when God imparts His loving nature in our hearts, uh, you know, he, he, he positions us to fulfill the two greatest commandments, right? Which is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, right? And to love your neighbor as yourself, right? So in other words, that he not only positions us to love him back, but he also positions us and helps us to love others, even our enemies, and guess what? Even ourselves. Because right. sometimes the hardest person to love is ourselves. Yeah? All right, so our new nature, let me just say it this way, and we'll, we'll land this bird. Our new nature gives us the ability to extend God's love, to extend his mercy, to extend his grace, to extend his compassion to others. And it also helps us receive all those things from him as well as others. Am I making sense to y'all? All right. Last statement here, and then I might give you two bonus statements. Here we go. Bonus, yeah. I like those bonus questions. In short, it's this, that a a lifestyle, watch this, that lacks love becomes out of character for the person who has a new nature in Christ because, once again, God's nature is to love. Amen? All right, let me give you two bonus proofs here, all right, that I just think is right, all right? Watch this. I'm not saying these are in his nature as far as the first one, second one is, but, but they're definitely in Jesus, so maybe, yeah, they are. All right, here we go. I believe that when a person's really born again, when a person's really saved, there's something significant happens, and it's this, that they are unashamed of Jesus. And, you, you know, I've met more people here that, that they're like, shh, I believe in that God stuff. I, but I think it's personal, so I don't tell anybody. You didn't meet the Jesus I met. Right? And, and I know this sounds maybe, maybe churchy and dramatic, but, but man, you, you know, it's like this. When Jesus hung naked on the cross, there was nothing private about it. You, you know, and I just think, man, you know, bottom line, it, you know, he says he wasn't ashamed of the Father. 
right? And he clearly said if we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us, right? So, so there's something inside of us, man, that when we really have righteousness in our life, I think a proof of righteousness is, man, we are not ashamed to tell anybody about Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that we're, you know, we're like a wildfire, we're off the chain with it, but, but it just simply means that, you know what, man, I'm not afraid. Yeah, I'm a Christian, right? Right. In other words, I, I don't have to act like I'm special operations, you know, whatever, and it's all hush, hush, and secret. Man, whatever, dude, right? Yeah, amen. Glad you got a secret mission. All right, here we go. I think the second thing is this, and this is key, and we may, we'll, we'll, we'll probably lean more into this next week, but because next week I want to talk about the process of righteousness. But, but it's this, that I think when you and I are really, when we're really saved, we're really born again, that we're willing to accept the Lord's discipline. Right? You, you know, in fact, let me just show you a verse really quick. Uh, if you have your Bible, it's, it won't be... It won't be up there. If you, need a, if you need a verse for the first one, Romans 1.16 is a really good one. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? But let me show you another one in Hebrews chapter 12. Just about the discipline of the Lord. Because how many of you guys know the Lord will discipline us? If you ain't ever been spanked by the Holy Ghost, man, you're not doing something right. Let me tell you that. Man. Y'all there? Chapter 12? If you're there, say, oh, yeah. All right. Look at verse 7. It says, if you endure chastising, God deals with you as what? As with sons. Yeah? Now, now this, everybody, everybody, real quick, look at me. This doesn't mean God's angry with you. Make that clear, okay? It says, for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? It says, but if you are without chastening or discipline of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seems best to them. Talking about parents. But he for our profit that we, that we may be partakers of his Holiness. Watch this. Now, no chastising seems to be joyful for the present. Right? It hurts. But painful, nevertheless. Afterwards, guess what happens? It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I know y'all don't want to say amen to that one. But, but, but listen, all I mean is this. I don't mean that we're, we're constantly living in this. That's not what I mean. I, I just mean this. That, you know, listen... Uh, we are born as babes into the kingdom, right? And what happens is, is God raises us. He grows us up, right? And just part of naturally being raised is simply this. God guides us, right? He guides us. He disciplines us. He tells us when we do something wrong. Yep. See, see that, that's why when you do something, you feel that, uh, right? And, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, want to say, well... You, you know, we don't need to repent today and all those things. But the bottom line is, is if I don't need to repent, why do I feel that way? Come on. Right? Because what happens is, is God will, in essence, discipline me because he's saying, look, I want to be in right fellowship with you. And that thing is in the way. It's hindering our relationship, so it's got to go. Right? right? Yes? Yeah. And the other side of it is this, is guess what? Uh, you, you know, a, a statement that I'm uncomfortable with, 
Don't get mad at me because I know some of y'all, you guys say it. But, but when people say, I'm God's favorite. Okay, I get it, but we're all God's favorites. And, and part of why God deals with this, guess what? It's because he still loves everybody. And if I keep acting like I'm acting and if he doesn't discipline me, then guess what's going to happen? I'm going to hurt somebody else in the kingdom. Right. right? In my house, I would say 95% of the discipline that happens with my four kids is because what they're doing to another sibling. Hello. Thank you. He was with it. He said, I got one of those brothers too. I don't know if that was Davy or Matthew. I think it was Davy, right? Get it, brother. Anyways, do y'all, y'all get the point? All right. Really poor landing. So let's just stand up. Here we go. I love kids. So, so the point there is we'll just say it this. It's just being open to what the, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Yeah? Amen? Amen. So I simply want to do this. I don't, I don't want to talk about, if you can, just close your eyes. I, I don't want to talk about all this today and go, man, look, there's, there's actually a real proof of righteousness and not give people the opportunity to step into the real proof of righteousness and really get to know Jesus. Amen? To really become partakers with him. Yeah? So, I, look. Nothing dramatic. I just simply want to ask today. Look, we, we are, you can close, once again, you can close your eyes. I just want people to focus on their own hearts. We're pretty authentic, pretty genuine around here. We don't, we're not about a show of, of, of any, any sorts. But um, if you know that you're here today and you're like, man, I, I need to get right with God. You, you know, I don't have those proof, proofs in my life. Maybe I did it, I said some prayer maybe for some other reason. But, but man, I, I, need, I need a real encounter with Jesus, and I really need to be saved. I really need his righteousness in my life. If, if that's you today, you said, man, I, I need Jesus today. Could you just slip your hand up, please? We're not going to embarrass you. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else said, man, I really just need Jesus. Thanks. Want anybody else? As a family, can we just pray this out loud? Say, Father God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I just admit I've been doing it my own way. That those fruits of righteousness are not in my life. And I need the real thing today. I don't need church. I don't need religion. I need Jesus. So, Father, I'm asking you, would you save me today? Would you set me free from myself and my ways? Would you make me new according to your word? I believe today that Jesus is God, that he did die for me. And on the third day, he was resurrected. And I believe today that that resurrection power can save me and rescue me and set me free. So, Father, I make you the Lord and the Father and the best friend of my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for all of you really quick. Can we just lift our hands? I just want to pray Philippians 1.11 over you today. Father, I pray... God, for every man and woman of God that's in the house today, 
God, if they're a man or woman of God for a minute or maybe for 40 years, Lord, I'm just asking God today that you would fill them with fruits of righteousness. God, that holiness and that truth and that love would just permeate out of their being today. God, that all those things, they have a desire to walk on all those things according to your divine nature. So, Lord, I bless your people to become all that you've destined for them to be. Father, we call out, God, the gold that's in them. Father, we thank you all the stuff that that clings to us that's not of you, God, that every bit of it would be broken off our lives. And, Lord, today that we'd be free to walk in your promises for our lives. Once again, as partakers, as people get to share your nature. Because, Lord, the truth is we want to bring you glory. We want to bring you honor. God, we want to be of use to the kingdom. And so, Lord, thank you for doing only what you can do inside of us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.